My next guest on the show is Captain Paul Watson from Sea Shepherd. Welcome to the generator, Paul. Oh, thank you. I thought we'd just start with a basic question. What is it particularly about whales that's got you excited or worked up? You know, I've been involved with protecting a lot of different species throughout my life. I spent six months hunting uh, elephant poachers in East Africa in 78 and... Uh, you know, but I decided I had to set up an organization not to protest, but to uh, uphold international conservation law, and I had to narrow that down and specialize, or else there's just too much to do. When you made that decision, what sort of criteria did you use, or what sort of passions were you following? Well, I had been a co-founder of Greenpeace, an expedition leader for Greenpeace, and um, I got to a point where the protesting was getting very frustrating for me, because we were we're protesting but nothing changes and it just sort of it comes from a submissive position like please 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 don't do that and I said well you know these guys are breaking the law there's no reason for us to be so submissive about it um, let's just simply enforce the law against them and that's why I set up Sea Shepherd to enforce the law and we're empowered to intervene by virtue of the UN World Charter for Nature that allows for non-government organizations and individuals to uphold international conservation law so that's why over the last uh, 25 years I've been able to uh, you know, shut down uh, whaling and sealing and illegal fishing operations, uh, ramming vessels, sinking vessels, confiscating millions of dollars worth of, uh, of equipment, because all of this stuff is being utilized illegally. And so I've never been convicted of a crime for any of those interventions, uh, because we're not protesting something we disagree with. We're shutting down illegal activities that must be, sh that should be shut down. Now, all of these international conventions exist more or less by the cooperation of government. How are you able to exercise that authority? Well, the UN Charter for um, Nature allows for individual intervention, and that's what we do, and we just take it upon ourselves to do it. Uh, governments could certainly do this. There's no reason why Australia and New Zealand can't go down there and kick the Japanese out of the um, Antarctic whale sanctuaries, especially since it's the Australian Antarctic Territory. They have every legal right to do so. But the problem with governments is that they tend to be uh, co-opted by trade uh, agreements and considerations, and that seems to be the bottom line. So justice and legality take second place to... Uh, to deals, business deals that are being made. Uh, all anybody seems to care about is the bottom line. Are there any governments anywhere who've come out and supported the kind of actions that you're taking that are using their armies or navies to help enforce the international laws? Well, we're working uh, closely with the government of Ecuador to uh, police against uh, illegal fishing. We have a full-time patrol boat in the Galapagos, and uh, our patrol boat is crewed by Sea Shepherd volunteers, Ecuadorian naval personnel, and Galapagonian park rangers. We're also working with the government of Colombia to protect Mapello Island uh, off the coast of uh, South America. And so we try to uh, work with governments when, uh, when we're able to do so, but very few governments are really motivated to do anything to, uh, you know, to protect marine wildlife. Uh, even when you point out to uh, so-called sophisticated countries like Canada that bottom dra uh, drag trawling is destroying habitats, they still insist upon doing it. And uh, Canada is a good example of uh, where the northern cod populations crashed, and up to the very day they crashed, the Canadian government was insisting it was a healthy population well managed. So really what we have are these ministry and departments of fisheries worldwide who are compromised by the fishing industries. They're calling the shots, not the scientists. The history of humanity has been fairly destructive. What sort of hope do you hold for us being able to reverse that millennia of destruction? 
Well, I uh, believe in living my life in accordance with the three basic laws of ecology. The first is the law of diversity, that the strength of an ecosystem depends upon diversity within it. The second is the law of interdependence, that all those species are independent with each other. And the third is the law of finite resources, that there's a limit to growth or a limit to carrying capacity. Right now, we, our numbers are growing so fast that we're literally stealing the carrying capacity from other species. They have to disappear for our numbers to increase. We're taking up all of the, the resources that they would otherwise use. But we're going to reach a point where we go too far and uh, the law of interdependence will kick in and we'll find that we just simply can't survive on this planet alone and uh, that we depend upon all these other species, both plants and animals, to do so. If we can't learn as a species to live in harmony with all the other species, then we are doomed to extinction. We haven't been around that long. We might not be around that much longer. If we're going to survive, we have to look at a completely different point of view and that is we have to live our life from a biocentric point of view. Right now, almost all of our cultures are anthropocentrically oriented. That is, it all revolves about one species, our own, and we don't take into account the interests or the concerns of, uh, of, other, of other species. That has to change or we're looking at a collapse. So it's less a matter of speculating about whether we can manage to turn it around. It's just a matter of making that effort or else. Our species tends to take action usually when it's too late. So I assume that probably later in the century, in a crisis situation, uh, whether it be caused by global warming or destruction of species, that we'll make the attempt to try and turn it around. Uh, but it's going to, of course, we're going to have some huge consequences uh, because a lot of people are going to die. I mean, an ecological collapse will be worse than all of the wars and famines and plagues that we've had throughout our entire history. It'll all be coming together as one. And uh, this is the kind of future that we're going to bequeath to our children unless we uh, act responsibly. There's speculation from time to time that the people who have the power to make the change don't care that they're protecting a wealthy elite that thinks that it can protect itself. Well, we also have the problem of this collective psychosis called religion, which allows for people to live pie-in-the-sky fantasies and uh, not worry about the future because they think that they're somehow protected or that nothing's going to happen to them. And besides, it doesn't really matter if you die because you're going to go to heaven anyway. It's very dangerous when you have people in power, like in the United States, when you have a government which is being run by people who really believe that there is no future because the Armageddon's on the, we're on the threshold of Armageddon and the apocalypse is here and we're all going to be raptured up into space. Well, when you got that kind of mentality, you know, you don't really care about the future. Is that one of the reasons why you're taking direct action instead of acting through, you know, political lobbying or other means? I haven't seen much uh, success through uh, lobbying. Uh, you know, last year, Horst uh, Kleinschmidt, who is the South African delegate to the International Whaling Commission and also Vice Secretary of the International Whaling Commission resigned and joined Sea Shepherd and is now a Sea Shepherd uh, South African director and uh, his reasons for doing so is he says we're not going to save the whales through the IWC the only thing that's going to save the whales is direct intervention and physically getting in there and shutting them down so when you had the Vice Secretary of the International Whaling Commission resigning to come join an activist organization that, that's a pretty good indication that uh, the, uh, the traditional methods are not going to work so someone listening to this radio program who's coming to the same kind of conclusions, how can they get involved? What can they do to help? Well, I think that the strength of, uh, of any movement lies in diversity. Like, so whether your approach is education, litigation, legislation, civil disobedience, direct action, it really doesn't matter as long as you're uh, working towards the same goal because that kind of diversity is what's going to save this planet. And so I certainly don't advocate that everybody does what I do, and I certainly don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I happen to be good at ramming and shutting down whaling ships, uh, but I'm, I, uh, you know, there's other ways of making a difference, and we encourage all everybody to do what they can do to make this a better world for tomorrow.
So what would you say to someone who wanted to run away from home and become a pirate? Well, I think that people should follow their, uh, their dreams. <laughs> you know, that's what I did.